Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Um, as Aaron said, my name is Amy uh, Holly. I happen to be a friend of Pastor Aaron and his wife Sydney and Eliza. And um, they are actually gone this weekend, putting into practice the topic that I'm going to be talking about today, which is rest. But before I get into that, um, why don't I pray for us? Uh, Father, thank you so much that we get to gather um, together. Thank you for the privilege and the freedom to do that. And we pray that this morning that we would not only um, seize the opportunity to worship you through music by declaring what is true about you and expressing our love and our trust in you, but also that we would um, allow your Holy Spirit to teach us from your word. I pray that um, you would use the, me this morning to um, share whatever it is that you want to impress upon our hearts from the Bible today. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Well, like I just said, today's message is about rest, and I don't know about you, but that is a topic that I love teaching about, and I love being taught about. Uh, the last time I taught here at Centerpoint, Aaron asked me to speak about politics, so I'd say this is definitely a step up from that. It's a little bit more exciting and a little bit easier to talk about. I mean, who does not want to be told that God would like you to take a break? I mean, that is really good news for us, right? And I'm also guessing, um, based on how busy a lot of the people in my life are, that it's also relevant news. Um, but just to make sure that it's relevant to us, we're going to start this morning with a little self-assessment, a quiz. Don't worry, there's not a uh, grade at the end of it. You don't even have to raise your hand or anything, but I would like to ask you some diagnostic questions to help um, you and I determine whether or not today's message applies to our lives. So go ahead and rate yourself. I'm not going to test... Uh, it's a self-quiz, but there is some math involved, which I know is kind of bad news on a Sunday morning, right? But go ahead and rate yourself on a scale from one to five for each of these questions. One would be like, nope, that is not me at all, and five would be, ooh, yikes, that is me pretty, pretty often. So first diagnostic question is, do you feel fatigued or weary? Two, do you feel rushed or unable to get everything done on your to-do list? Three, do you feel dread when you feel or you see how full your calendar is? Uh, number four, do you gravitate towards screens to either relax or just try to escape from life? Five, do you feel like you don't have much energy to give to other people? Six, do you find yourself snapping um, at others, like maybe your family members on the way to church today? That happens to us a lot to hurry up. Uh, number seven, does your heart feel kind of empty? Number eight, do your relationships feel a little superficial? Nine, does decision-making really overwhelm you? And then 10, do you feel like you are missing out on your own life because you just don't seem to have enough time to actually enjoy it? Now, if you happen to score low on this assessment, you could probably just go home, actually, and not uh, sit through this message because you're probably already in a really good spot when it comes to rest. But... If you scored high, and to be clear, a high score is not what you want on this thing. If you did, I have some really good news for you from the Bible. Because today we're going to look at what God's Word says about rest. And particularly, rest as it relates to something called the Sabbath. Um, the concept of the Sabbath is found all throughout the Scriptures, especially in the Old Testament and the Gospels. And it's actually one of the Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelites through Moses. So we're going to go ahead and start there and look at Exodus 20. 
at this Sabbath command. It's the fourth of the Ten Commandments, and here's what it says. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. And therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And we're going to go ahead and just break this down. You know, the first and last parts of that commandment kind of bracket it and summarize what the gist is that God is telling the Israelites to do. He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he ends with the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And that's kind of like the overarching command to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath. In other words, don't forget about it. Don't forget to do it. And God says, keep it holy. Now, that word holy is one that we typically use like in church circles, but we don't usually use that in everyday life. You know, it's kind of just a church word. For instance, this particular Sunday is Palm Sunday in the Christian church calendar. It's the day that we remember Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem for his final week of life. And at the end of that week, on Good Friday, he would give his life for us and then rise from the dead on Easter, which we are going to celebrate big time next week. But we call this Holy Week oftentimes in church circles because we set aside some special time to reflect and remember what Jesus did for us. And, and by the way, um, speaking of Palm Sunday and Holy Week, um, if you did not get a palm on your way in to church this morning, you are welcome to grab one on your way out. Just as a visual reminder of what Jesus did for us during this week that we remember and celebrate this week. So you can go ahead and do that. But we call it Holy Week. The word holy simply just means set apart. It just means it's set apart. It's different from the rest. It is other. It's a word that we frequently use to describe God, right? We sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He's called holy because he is utterly different or set apart from us. He is in a completely different category than his creation. There is like everything that God made and then there's God. He is something other than the rest. And when we approach God as a being who is holy, we acknowledge that there is no one else like him. He is not ordinary. He is unique. He is special. He is unlike anything else. So when God instructed the Israelites to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, he was telling them that this particular day of the week, one day each week, was to be set apart as something special compared to the rest. The other six days of the week, you know, they could do their regular work, they could go about their regular tasks, they could go about everyday life, but that seventh day that he called the Sabbath was to be different, it was to be unique, to be special, not like the rest. It was to be regarded as holy or set apart. Now, how many of you guys here really like Christmas time? I know lots of people do. Some people don't. I have a sister who hates it. What a Scrooge. <laughs> Just kidding. A lot, of my, a lot of people, myself included, really love that particular time of the year because there's just something kind of different about it, right? There's an intentionality that's often associated with the holiday season. There's like this attempt on our part to kind of make it special, to focus on family and to remember Jesus, perhaps 
um, in a more focused way and to eat certain foods and enjoy traditions and movies and music that we really only bring out that time of year. So in that sense, Christmas time is holy, right? Although I know some of you all like extend that holiness by starting in October. You know who you are, right? The people that put the Christmas trees up. Well, I think that sense of like specialness is what God intended with all the holy days that are mentioned in the Old Testament. That's actually where the word holiday comes from. It's short for holy day. If you look at the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to celebrate all sorts of holy days or holidays during the year. There was a Passover feast to remember their rescue from Egypt. There was a harvest festival in the fall to acknowledge God's provision and to remember how he has provided for them in the past and in the present. There was a day of atonement where they would come together as a nation and they would confess their sins to the Lord as a nation. And then, in addition to all these yearly festivals, there was also a weekly holy day or holiday, the Sabbath, which was one entire day of every week that was set aside and declared to be special and different from the rest. And I just really, really love how God has like built this rhythm of holy days just kind of inserted into the midst of ordinary life to help his people press pause for a moment. Pause on their everyday lives, not just to rest, but also just to remember and celebrate God and his kindness. It was a day to just stop and just kind of reflect on how meaningful life is when it's done with God instead of just running from one obligation to the next one. It's a day to remember the Lord and be encouraged by his faithfulness. And while we, I'm guessing that most of you in this room are not Jewish, you are probably Gentile, as I am, we, as Gentile Christ followers who are living in the time after Jesus' church was established, we're no longer bound by all those Old Testament feasts and holy days that are still observed by Orthodox Jews. But I do believe that the rhythm of work followed by rest about every six to seven days is still for us to imitate because that rhythm was actually built into God's creation long, long before the Old Testament laws were given through Moses. It's actually a pattern that God set into motion from the very beginning all the way back in the first chapters of Genesis 1 and 2 where he did the work of creation for six days and then he rested on the seventh. Now God did not rest because he was tired after all that work and he needed to do that. It seems that he rested because he knew that we would need to do that. Um, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for us. It's a gift. It's an invitation. It is actual permission from God himself to take a break one whole day each week and make that day special and different from the rest. So if we decided to actually take God up on that invitation, that gift, and set aside like a weekly holy day, what might that day look like? You know, how, how would we remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, to keep it special and unique um, from the other days of the week? I'm going to suggest a few things from that passage in Exodus 20. First of all, I think we keep it holy um, by not doing any work that day. Exodus 20 says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do or any work, not you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. 
I don't know about you, but it sounds kind of amazing, right? I mean, they had permission from the Lord of the universe himself, whether they were a man or a woman, parent, child, worker, boss, citizen, foreigner, goodness, even the animals were included in this command. Everyone was told, just stop working once every seven days and just enjoy a day of rest. The word Sabbath actually comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to cease or to just stop, to stop. Now, I realize that for some of us, taking a break from all of our usual obligations sounds kind of like a pipe dream. I mean, you know, you might be listening to this and thinking, well, you know, doesn't God realize, like, how busy we are? Doesn't he know that the yard needs to be mowed and this is the only time I can get it done? Doesn't he realize that my kids are never going to make the varsity team if they don't play on the traveling team now, so we do have to travel? Um, doesn't God understand that I really need to work overtime to pay our mortgage? Is God even aware of inflation these days or gas prices? Now, here's what a pastor named J.D. Greer says about this. He writes, God gave us the Sabbath to remind us that he is the provider for our lives. No other society in ancient times took a day off because survival was often a day-to-day, season-to-season affair, but God commanded his people to take a Sabbath because he wanted to remind them that He bore the responsibility of providing for them. He continues and says, God has set up the world so that most of the provision that we experience happens to come from the work that we do. Because of this, we can very easily begin to assume that we're the ones who bear the responsibility of taking care of ourselves. Like the other ancient cultures, we do not think that we can afford to take a day off because our lives depend on being on every day of the week. But that kind of responsibility is not ours. God himself bears that responsibility. And so we take a day off each week to declare that. And then he concludes by saying, Sabbath is a countercultural declaration of trust. I don't rest because everything is done. I rest because God has promised that if I do it, he will make up the rest. Now, I think um, for those of us who are especially busy, adopting a rhythm of intentional rest about every seven days or so might kind of fall into the same category as tithing a percentage of our income to the Lord. Tithing is where we set aside a certain percentage of what we make and we give it to the Lord's work. Um, A Sabbath is almost like tithing our time, isn't it? I mean, we acknowledge that all of our time, all of our money, it all belongs to the Lord, but... We take a portion of it and we set it aside and say, this part is just particularly dedicated to you, Lord. And if we do that, if we do that with our money or with our time, we might worry there won't be enough time or money if we put God's instructions into practice. But I I would propose that if we seek to really honor him in these areas of our lives because we love him and because we trust him, and we know that he loves us and that he is trustworthy, then we can just relax in his ability to take care of us. You know what? Resources are not a problem for God. Like He is fully able to provide for his children's needs. Now, he might not always provide everything we want, but he does provide what he knows in his wisdom that we need. And he also helps us to find great joy and contentment with what he provides. So, You and I, we can trust that he has our back when we follow him and we seek his instructions for our lives as to what to do with these things. 
All right, a second way that we can keep the Sabbath holy is by resting. Because the command says that we are to remember the Sabbath because the Lord himself worked six days and he rested on the seventh day. Now, you might think, like, Amy, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? You just said that we remember the Sabbath by not working. Isn't that the same thing as resting? I would say not necessarily, right? Um, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you have ever returned from a vacation from work in need of another vacation? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with fun activities. Nothing at all. They're awesome. I think God wants us to enjoy life. But I think we need to maybe acknowledge that leisure isn't necessarily the same thing as rest. Leisure is great, but we also need rest. Not just physical rest, but also internal rest. You know, rest for our souls and our minds. Now, this does not mean that we have to, like, you know, sit around all day on a Sabbath, absolutely doing nothing, just twiddling our thumbs. Um, a couple years ago, I read the book Farmer Boy to my kids. It's one of the books by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Anybody watch Little House on the Prairie as a child? I'm dating myself. I grew up in the 80s. Well, Farmer Boy is about Almanzo, Laura's husband, when he was a kid. And in that book, Almanzo is described as just dreading every Sunday their Sabbath that they celebrated as a family because all they would do all day long is sit in their parlor on hard furniture and do nothing. I mean, that sounds like a chore. That sounds like work, doesn't it? Especially if you're a parent trying to make your kid do that. That's really work. I really don't think that's what God intended for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an invitation to get rest, however that looks for you. Maybe it does look for you like sitting around doing nothing all day long, but I'm guessing probably not. It probably depends on your personality. I'm an introvert, so for me, rest looks like some time alone, maybe taking a long walk or just taking an hour to read a good book. My extroverted husband, on the other hand, alone time for him is not restful. Um, that's like torture for him. He unwinds and he relaxes by spending time with people. So the two of us often have to kind of just compromise and take turns so that both of us can get the kind of rest that actually refreshes us. Now maybe for you, rest does involve doing fun activities. And again, fun is not bad, fun is great. It's just not always the same thing as rest for everyone. Um, there's an author named Gar Gordon MacDonald. He wrote these words. He says, I am not by any means critical of the pursuit of fun-filled moments or diversion or laughter or recreation. I'm just proposing that these alone might not restore the soul in the way that we crave. Although they might provide a momentary rest for the body, they might not always satisfy the deep need for rest within our private worlds. So when it comes to the Sabbath, I encourage you, just figure out what restores your soul, what satisfies your deep need for rest, both physically and otherwise. Um, is it a hike in nature? Is it taking a hot bath? Is it having dinner with some really good friends? Is it taking a nap or working in your garden or enjoying a hobby? Maybe it's reading a good book to your kids. However you find rest, that would be a really good thing to build into a Sabbath day as a way of making it special, holy, by resting. And then a third way that I think we can keep the Sabbath, and this, I believe, is the most important one, we can keep the Sabbath special and holy by using it as a dedicated, dedicated time to focus on the Lord. Exodus 20 says, The seventh day is a Sabbath to whom? It's to the Lord your God. 
Now, if we take a Sabbath by not working and doing restful things, but we don't give any thought to the Lord, I think we've missed the point and actually have missed the biggest blessing of the Sabbath. I said before, like all of our time belongs to the Lord, and hopefully we are connecting with him all week long, but the Sabbath is a special day to particularly worship and focus our attention on the Lord our God, to recall that God is really the whole point of this thing called life. It's meant to be a holy day where we we set aside some special time to enjoy him and to tell him that we love him and acknowledge who he is, that he is king and we are not. He is God and we are not. He is our savior. He is our loving father that cares for us. And also, it could even be a day to just come back to him if we've wandered during the week. I don't know about you, but I wander sometimes. It's a day to confess how much we need him perhaps to just repent and turn away from anything that we've done that grieves him, to, to focus on learning what it means to walk in his ways and live in his kingdom under his leadership. And obviously, again, we want to do those things every day, not just once a week, but the Sabbath is a day especially set aside to enjoy him. Um, here's that Pastor J.D. Greer again. He says, sometimes the tyranny of life can cause us to disconnect from the very purpose we were created for. I can tell you as one who has run far down that weary road that this is the quickest way to live in misery. The Sabbath is a day to recognize that God did not create us to accomplish tasks, but to be in a love relationship with him. That is our purpose. We weren't created for a job. We weren't created for our ability to produce. We were created first and foremost for God. On the Sabbath, we are just supposed to enjoy God and his gifts. It is one day to be rather than to do. And I would say it's a day to be in relationship with the Lord because that's what he desires for us. You know, gathering together like this to worship him and to hear his word is a great way to celebrate a Sabbath. You know, I know for me personally that like whenever I get together with my local church to worship the Lord with other people and to learn and be taught the Bible, it just has this way of kind of getting my head on straight again. It just puts my focus back on God and reminds me the truth about who he is and who he says I am and what he says is important. It just readjusts my perspective and my priorities so I get realigned with his purposes. I mean, to use like a really weird illustration, especially since I've never actually been to a chiropractor in my entire life, but my husband has, um, gathering for worship each week with other people is kind of like showing up for a weekly spiritual chiropractic appointment, right? Um, like if I've come out of alignment with the Lord during the other six days of the week, the Holy Spirit can use that time to just sort of nudge me back into place again. And some weeks it's just a minor adjustment because I've done a decent job of just staying connected with him through the week. Other weeks it's like like big, big adjustment with a big crack because I've just quite honestly neglected spending time with him the way I need to. But either way, whether it's a little or a big adjustment, that weekly habit of just coming together with other believers, focusing my attention on God, that helps keep me from ever wandering too far away from him for too long. If I celebrate a weekly Sabbath that is truly to the Lord my God, I just tend to stay closer to him. And I get some rest too. It's just a win-win all the way around. All right, so to review, we can remember the Sabbath and keep it holy by taking a break from our usual work and responsibilities, by being intentional about resting and then focusing our attention on God and remembering him. 
Now, maybe after hearing these things, you might have some questions, like maybe this question. Does the Sabbath have to be on a Sunday? Well, the Sabbath actually isn't on Sunday. Um, Jewish people have always celebrated it on the or seventh day of the week, from sundown on Friday till the sundown on Saturday, like it says in Exodus, the seventh day of the week, sorry, after six days. But then once Jesus was resurrected on what the Bible says was the first day of the week, Sunday, the early church then seemed to use that day to gather with other followers of Jesus. And obviously, most Christian churches still that do that today. So is it supposed to be Saturday? Does it need to be Sunday? Or can it be like any day of the week at all? Now, I'll answer this by sharing with you a letter um, that Paul, the apostle, wrote to some Roman Christians who were living in the first century. And in this section of Romans, he was addressing the issue of things that were you know, debatable um, as being right or wrong because there was no clear teaching from Jesus. For instance, um, he talks about how some people thought that certain foods were to be avoided, but other people felt that all foods came from God and could be eaten with gratitude. So that's like one of the issues. But within that section in Romans 14, Paul um, not only cautioned them about like criticizing each other, about how they did these debatable things, but he even added some commentary about holy days. He said in verses 5 and 6, some think that one day is more holy than another day, while others think that every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. So what Paul is saying is this. You just figure it out between you and God. Maybe your spouse too if you're married. That might be helpful. And whatever you choose to do between you and God, just do it to honor him. If that means celebrating the day of rest on Sunday, do it for God. If it means you do Sabbath on a weekday because you work on weekends, which by the way is pretty much every pastor around the world, right? They work every Sunday. Then do that day for God and set it aside for him. The day of the week does not matter as much as your heart towards God does. Now here's another question you might have. Isn't the Sabbath like an Old Testament thing that doesn't really apply to us today? And the answer to this, I think, is actually technically yes. Uh, the Sabbath is mentioned a ton in the Old Testament, which deals with the Jewish people. And it's also talked about in the Gospels, which are the four books of the New Testament that tell about the life and ministry of Jesus, who was a Jewish man who observed Jewish laws from the Old Testament, including the Sabbath. So the Gospels talk about the Sabbath a lot. But outside those four books of the New Testament, the word Sabbath is only used a handful of times for the rest of the New Testament, including um, passages that aren't even about the actual Sabbath day. It talks about a Sabbath rest for God's people. It's used more symbolically to tell what Jesus did for us on the cross. In addition to this, the New Testament, especially the letters written by Paul, make it clear that, that non-Jewish Christians are not under the Old Testament law. We are made right with God by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by following the law. But with that said, um, I still think that the Sabbath does merit our attention for a couple of reasons. First, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Sabbath commandment is linked to a story from creation found in Genesis 1 and 2 long before any of the Old Testament law was given or written. And it seems like this rhythm of work and rest was just built by God into creation itself from the very start. So I think that's one reason why it would be wise for us to consider building that rhythm into our lives, even, even if a Sabbath 
is not explicitly commanded in the New Testament. Um, a second reason why I think it's wise, like it's, it's just wise for us to consider a Sabbath, is that it helps us to put our focus back on God at least once a week if we truly do make that a day to the Lord, like it says in Exodus 20. And, I mean, we really cannot go wrong setting aside special time for God each week. And then a third reason that I think the Old Testament practice of the Sabbath deserves our consideration is the fact that we would probably all agree that the other nine of the Ten Commandments are still relevant to how God wants us to live today. We would agree that God still wants us to worship him alone and to not make idols and to honor our parents and be faithful to our spouses and not lie or steal or murder. Um, these commands, according to some theologians, fall under God's moral law versus the ceremonies and the sacrifices, and therefore that moral law actually is still something that is relevant to us as Christians today. So I just present that to you as some things to think about. And again, I just really encourage you to pray um, and figure it out between you and God and do whatever he leads you to do as a way to honor him. Because again, it's just, it's our hearts towards him that matter. And here's the third and final question. Wasn't Jesus upset with the Pharisees? for being all legalistic about the Sabbath? And the answer is yes, he was, and yes, they were. Um, by the time of Jesus, you know, the Old Testament laws had been around for about 1,400 years, and Jewish religious leaders at that time had adopted a whole bunch of, uh, we'll call them clarifications, about how to keep the Sabbath holy. And it seemed to start out as a just, honest attempt to follow God's commands, um, but eventually they created 39 separate categories describing what work was and how it was to be avoided at all costs on the Sabbath. And that is why they got so upset with Jesus whenever he or his disciples did something that they considered work on the Sabbath according to these 39 separate categories that they developed. Um, Mark 2 shares an example of this. It says, One Sabbath, um, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. They thought that was work. And the Pharisees were saying to him, to Jesus, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, why are you okay with your disciples breaking God's command? But it wasn't actually God's command. It was theirs. And Jesus answers the Pharisees with a story about a time of, that David, their great king from the past, who was a man after God's own heart, did something that was technically unlawful. And then Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying, we were not created to follow a bunch of Sabbath rules. That's not the point. The Sabbath was made by God for our benefit, to be a blessing to us, and Jesus himself is the Lord of it. So whatever he says about it goes. What the Pharisees seem to have forgotten is that God is not after our rule-keeping. He's just after us. He wants our hearts. He wants us to walk in his ways out of love for him, not just for the sake of following a rule. Now, if we truly love him, then keeping his commands is what will just naturally flow because out of our love for him will come a desire to please him and obey him because we know he's trustworthy 
and he's good and he's got our best in mind for us. But that obedience needs to come from a loving relationship with him, not just like a a dry religion where our outward actions might be compliant, but our hearts are actually really cold and distant from him. Does that make sense? Now, I've been talking about you know, questions related to technicalities about the Sabbath, but I don't think that God wants us to get wrapped up in technicalities or do's and don'ts. That seems to be the way the Pharisees got in big trouble with him. They added a bunch of man-made rules and their own interpretations to God's laws, and they ended up actually elevating their ideas above the scriptures themselves. Jesus actually said that they, they nullified the words of God for the sake of their own traditions. And he did not say that was a good thing, that was a bad thing. As a result of this, the Pharisees made the Bible a burden for people rather than the source of joy that it actually is. Like David said in Psalm 19, where he says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Or like Jesus' friend and disciple John wrote when he said, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I'm not saying that God's commands are always easy to put into practice, but they're not a burden. They're actually a source of joy and peace and even rest. You know, when Jesus lived in first century Israel, he was not the only rabbi or teacher. That's what rabbi means. He wasn't the only rabbi or teacher in Israel. There were actually lots of rabbis walking around, each with their own disciples and their own set of teachings and interpretations of the Old Testament scriptures. And a rabbi's particular set of ideas and teachings about the scriptures was known as that rabbi's yoke. And that's what Jesus is referring to when he said in Matthew 11, he said, he basically is denouncing the Pharisees and saying, you don't have to do life the burdensome way that they are telling you to. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teachings upon you, and learn from me, because I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is really light. So if you came in here this morning needing some rest for your soul, I really encourage you, take Jesus' yoke. Take his teachings to heart. Maybe take some time this week to just talk to him and ask him to show you how he wants you to put this teaching into practice in your own life. Because you and I, we can really honor God and really show our love for him and our trust in him when we come to him and we seek his input on what our obedience would look like to him, what would please his heart and bring joy to him in every area of our lives, including this idea of a weekly holy day that's just set apart for him to enjoy him and his kindness, to rest and let him refresh us, to remind us that he is the provider of our lives. His teachings are not meant to be heavy, legalistic burdens. They're meant to give joy and rest. And that's really good news, isn't it? I'm going to close this morning with some words from Isaiah. Just like the Sabbath command, they were given to the Israelites, but I think that they have wisdom for us too because they're about the blessing that comes when we choose to imitate God's rhythm that he put in motion into creation of work and rest. Um, Through Isaiah, this is what God says. He says, If you keep your feet 
from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and you honor it by not going your own way and just not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy, your joy in the Lord. And God says, I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. In other words, you got good stuff in store for you. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. And with that in mind, let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much that you have lovingly um, given us wise counsel in your word about resting because we are not machines that can just keep going and going. We wear out. We um, are not meant to just go nonstop and miss out on what it is, what, what it means to just have a close relationship with you. And that's, I know for my own life that when I am just running from place to place that you often get crowded out and I lose the very point of life which is to enjoy it with you in both my work and in my resting. I pray that you would just instruct us, that you would help us to just carve out some time with you to ask you how it is that you want us to put these particular things into practice in our own lives. Um, thank you for building a rhythm of, of work and then rest into our lives. And I pray that you would help us to know how to work it out in our day-to-day -day experiences. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name, with gratitude for him. Amen.